Well, good evening. It's great to be with you tonight. I'd like to invite you to join me in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. I appreciate, I have appreciated the messages this year on beginnings and worship and Brother Jay uh, last Sunday night on Psalm 77 and his encouragement to get rid of all the junk food in your pantry and leftover from the holiday season. <laughs> and uh, that was a blessing. So Jeremiah chapter 29, and we're going to read tonight 14 verses, beginning with verse number 1. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that, Jeconiah the king, and the queen, and the eunuchs, the princes of Judah, and Jerusalem, and the carpenters, and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem by the hand of Alasa the son of Shaphan, and Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent unto Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, <clears throat> Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Build ye houses, and dwell in them, and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, and beget, begat sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there, and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace." <clears throat> For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye caused to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place." For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall find me, uh, seek me, and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. When you are seeking me, you will find, uh, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from the nations and from the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. And let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We pray that you'd uh, help us as we spend time in it this evening. Uh, we're thankful for those who have, by following you, left a path for us to follow. We do pray that you'd help us to uh, make much of the new year as we look ahead at what you have in store for us. Um, we, uh, we look ahead in faith and in hope, trusting you and knowing that you're good. And um, if we follow you, you'll, uh, you'll provide and do uh, things according to your will. Pray that you'd be glorified in it. Pray that you'd even bless our time tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, <clears throat> a few days ago, uh, I woke up 
and uh, you did as well. And uh, it was a little hard for me to believe, but it was January the 1st, 2023. And uh, this isn't a decade year. This isn't uh, some special year in any special way, but it was slightly surreal to, to find myself in this particular year, not to age anyone, but in seven short years from now, 1980 will have been 50 years ago. <clears throat> I was born in the 1980s, uh, the latter part of the 1980s, um, but uh, I would be considered, as I understand it, if you want to put generations in a nice box and label the box, a millennial so that means that I was born uh, right at the tail end of the Cold War. Uh, I remember, I was old enough to remember that uh, there was some alarm in the air because we had grown dependent on these computer systems. They ran and managed our power grid. They, uh, the banking industry was reliant on these things. I don't know that cell phones were really a thing at the time, but uh, basically, our whole lives were reliant on these computers, and we were about to go from 1999 to 2000, and we weren't real sure exactly what would happen, but we could imagine all sorts of crazy scenarios, and uh, remember that uh, year 2000, we survived. It really didn't uh, uh, really affect too much, except for that, that digit flipping like it does on the gas station pump. Um, so 2020 didn't turn out to be too eventful. Uh, 2020, uh, 2001 was more eventful. I remember that Tuesday morning in school when we were all gathered together to watch live television. That had never happened before, but the two Boeing airplanes had crashed into the, the, the World Trade Centers, and we had <clears throat> you know, just watched that footage happening over and over again, and then the live footage of them uh, on fire, and then of course the airplane that landed in the Pentagon, and then uh, Flight 93, and all of that taking place, and then of course the uh, call to war, and the thought of maybe a draft taking place, and, and some of those things that uh, that were a part of that particular era. A movie came out, uh, had something to do with one of our vice presidents that predicted, I think, as I understand it right, that the North ice cap would have melted. Uh, by now, I haven't been there to check, but uh, um, the uh, AIDS pandemic, I remember there were a lot of books written by that. So uh, bird flu, remember bird flu? Swine flu, SARS, H1N1, Ebola, and we had to check our mail for powder-like substances because of anthrax. And so uh, in my short life, um, I'm just a little surprised that that we survived. And it's 2023, and so far, we're still here, and we can breathe, and I don't know what tomorrow will bring, but uh, it was a little surprise to wake up, and it was 2023. We believe in the imminent return of Christ. That means that at any moment, the Lord may return and call us to meet Him in the clouds, may call His church. And Pastor mentioned that a bit this morning as we were looking ahead to worshiping Him in heaven. Uh, it could happen at any moment. I don't know that there's any scriptural reason that it would prevent the Lord from doing that even tonight. The eminent return of Christ. As I reflect, though, on the past 30 years, and we look ahead at the new year, as we think about what we've learned, there are some practical ramifications as we think about our past and plan for our future. 
So Jeremiah had a tough job. Jeremiah, you might know of as the weeping prophet. If you read the first part of Jeremiah, he had a very clear message. It was a message of judgment. You could call him the doomsday prophet. He understood that because of the absolute wickedness of Israel and their uh, taken captive uh, by the Assyrian Empire, and, and then Judah was headed in the same direction, that, that this was going into a, a really rough place. God's judgment was coming. Babylon was the empire, the empire of power at the time, and he pictures Babylon like a cup filling up with God's wrath, about to be poured out in judgment on the uh, Israelites. Um, the, like the prophets before him, he warned of God's judgment. He called the people of Israel to repentance, and he didn't get a bump in salary as a result. He was persecuted. Uh, he was uh, thrown into a pit. Uh, he was, uh, he, we'll, we'll, we'll look at it in just a little bit, but even uh, some of what he wrote, the scroll would be read. It'd be read in the temple. Baruch would read it in the temple. And then uh, the people would said, hey, we need to read this to the king. But before we do, Jeremiah, it would be a good idea for you to hide, get out of Dodge, go somewhere where the king can't find you in case he doesn't like it. And they read it to the king and the king proceeds to rip it up and throw it into the fire. And uh, that's how Jeremiah was treated in light of everything that was going on at that time. Northern Israel was already taken captive by Assyria. The southern kingdom, uh, Jerusalem and Judah, um, was going to be destroyed. Jeremiah understood that, and Jeremiah in his lifetime would able, was going to see that actually take place. Israel and its leaders were filled with idolatry. For, for that time, it meant that the altars were in the wrong place. They had a high places. They weren't following the worship as prescribed in the law. They uh, worshipped carved images of Baal and of uh, bulls and uh, poles and all of those sorts of things. And uh, they were full of idolatry. For them, it was maybe a carved image that they would worship and they would do all sorts of things along with that that were unrighteous. For us, we think of idolatry as anything that takes the place of God. It's anything more valuable to us than God is. Anything we find more valuable than God is a cheap substitute for Him. It's an insufficient Savior. It's something we may rely on and hope in and take peace in, but it is incomplete and will let us down. Idolatry, Jeremiah said, was like adultery in the spiritual sense. You have a covenant with God. You have a relationship with Him. God has been faithful and you have forsaken Him over and over and over again. The leaders were not following the law. The political system was taking advantage not only of disobeying and disregarding God's law, but disregarding their care for one another, their love they were supposed to live out through the law, the taking, care, uh, uh, taking advantage of, of those who were the most vulnerable, evidently including child sacrifice to appease their false gods. And so Babylon was going to be this vessel used of God to bring judgment upon his people. So the Babylonian army comes, destroys Jerusalem, takes the gold and silver, destroys Solomon's temple. And that is where we get to Jeremiah chapter 29. And notice, first of all, that this is a letter in verse number one. Now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. 
the book of Jeremiah really is a collection of the things that Jeremiah preached, the things that he wrote, and a few things about what took place in Jeremiah's ministry as a prophet for many, many decades. And we just come across in chapter 29 this copy of this letter that Jeremiah took the time to write from Jerusalem all the way to those that had already been taken captive, and they were living in this place called Babylon. They were no longer in Jerusalem. That had been destroyed. The temple had been destroyed. And he writes them a letter. And what is it that Jeremiah is going to say? Well, it's not just a letter. It's one thing to have something to say and to write your card or letter or give your advice. It's another thing to have a word from the Lord. It's one thing to read in the paper, ask Alice or Anna, or whatever, ask the person who gives all the answers in the newspaper, and to have their counsel and their advice and their word, it's something else to have it from the Lord. And we see in verse 4, there's some parenthetical information in those preceding verses, but verse number 4 says this about the letter. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. And so this isn't just a letter from Jeremiah, but this is a word from the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. God has some counsel for those who are living there in Babylon. And um, I don't take it too lightly. It's a little bit scary to just kind of paratroop into a passage and try to say, okay, here's some some thoughts for you, um, because I have an opinion on a lot of things. But there's a difference between my opinion and God's opinion. There's a difference between my counsel and God's counsel. I thought this was interesting. I like to read uh, things, sometimes I like to read things uh, from uh, those who've lived a long time ago. Uh, This one guy lived in England. He wrote this book in 1728 called A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life. And in this book, um, he said some really helpful things. One of the things he said... It's going to be hard to follow, but I'll read it. I know how quotes are. They're hard to to follow in your your mind. But this was a good thought. He said, we must devote not only times and places to prayer, but be everywhere in the spirit of devotion, with hearts always set toward heaven, looking up to God in all our actions and doing everything as his servants, living in the world as in a holy temple of God, and always worshiping him, though not with our lips, yet with the thankfulness of our hearts, the holiness of our actions, and the pious and charitable use of all his gifts. He said a lot right there, and I thought it was helpful and good. He also said, What can you conceive more silly and extravagant than to suppose a man racking his brains and studying night and day how to fly? In 1728, he couldn't understand anyone trying to think about flight, flying. Well, there's another guy... um, He was mentored by James Campbell Morgan. He was uh, one of the more well-known pastors in London. If you you remember Charles Spurgeon, you might have heard of his name. This other guy was a Welsh medical doctor who ended up becoming a pastor named uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. When he was 24 years old, he said this. He said, I cannot possibly understand a man who wears silk stockings or even gaudily colored socks. Rings, wristwatches, spats, I don't really know if I know what those are, shoes instead of boots, or who carries a cane in his hand. I don't wear a cane, but some of you. (laughs) He said, 
Another thing I, I, he, he said, the, the modern, I cannot possibly understand, the modern method of installing a bath in each house. He said, the modern method of installing a bath in each house is not only a tragedy, but it has been a real curse to humanity. <clears throat> um, so I don't want to give you just my uh, thoughts at the moment. Uh, this was not advice from Jeremiah, but this here was a message from the Lord. It really meant something. God, who sees the end from the beginning and understands what they need at that time, is writing through Jeremiah, giving this message through Jeremiah. This was the message. This is the message from the Lord to these people who were taken captive into Babylon. He said, <clears throat> Build ye houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat of the fruit of them. Take ye wives and begat sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. What an interesting message. What interesting counsel from Jeremiah, this prophet of judgment, to write to those who now are taken captive and are living in Babylon, he gives them some counsel. The first piece of that is just simply to build houses and move into them. Uh, plan on a few bedrooms, because we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, a kitchen. They didn't have plumbing back then, so put an outhouse in the back. Build the roof so it's waterproof. Plant a garden, right? Find some mason jars and uh, some canning lids. You're going to be there a while. You don't want to just live off of, I don't know what you live off of, uh, uh, the Red Cross delivers uh, canned goods, uh, fast food. You don't want to live on that for 70 years. Uh, If you're not married and you're getting older, plan to get married and have children. Now, not everyone would. Daniel wouldn't get married. Jeremiah never got married. God had a special plan for them. But he said, get married and have children. He said, give your daughters to husbands to marry and have children. Plan on the, the multifamily portrait, right? The multi-generational portrait. You're, you, and, and the purpose of all of this, and then seek the, the peace of the city. Pray for it. If, 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 if it was a democratic republic, it wasn't. I think he would potentially counsel them to, to vote and, and be an informed, involved citizen of the city. For as it goes, the peace of the city goes, it's going to affect you. In the peace thereof shall ye have peace. And then he says there's a false message in verse number 8 and 9. Jeremiah warns. <clears throat> he said, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets... And your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you. Neither hearken to your dreams, which shall ye cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. So he's warning them that there's going to be some prophets with a false message that they say is from the Lord, but really isn't. They're going to give a message that's not helpful. And it's evidently going to be something like this. Your stay here is going to be very short. You're, you're, you know, God's going to bring you right back to Jerusalem and, and you're going to win a victory. Maybe it would be something like this. Hey, there's a really cool way to make Molotov cocktails. 
and we're going to throw these through all the post office windows that we can. And uh, we can graffiti, you know, all the buildings around, and maybe we can cause an insurrection. And I don't know what these false prophets potentially may would have been arguing. Maybe they, maybe they were simply saying, hey, don't get married. Don't have a family. We're just barely surviving. Just, we're we're going to just hold our own and find a cave and lock ourselves in there. Whatever they were going to say, there were some voices there that were not helpful. And then Jeremiah reminds them of God's bigger plan in verse 10 and 11. He says, Thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon... <clears throat> I will visit you 70 years and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place, Jerusalem. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you there. I have a plan for the remnant. My plan of redemption, my uh, promises made to Adam and Eve, made to Abraham, made to Jacob. These these plans, these, these purposes I have, I've not given up on those. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil to give you an expected end. You see, God had a plan. Moses acknowledged it back in Deuteronomy. Moses understood. He prophesied himself that they would forsake the covenant and these difficult things were going to happen in their life and they would repent and God would continue to work through their life even though Moses couldn't see the future and Jeremiah couldn't see uh, entirely into the future. They knew that God was doing something far bigger than just whatever they found themselves in at the moment. Jeremiah is saying, don't give up, don't be discouraged, don't just simply survive. God has a bigger plan in all of this. And it leads to repentance and restoration, verse 12 through 14. He reminds them, at this point, then ye shall call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me. We read about this in in Nehemiah, we read about this uh, in, in Ezra. We read about what God does in the life of Israel uh, later on. But he says, you'll call upon me. You shall go and pray unto me. I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Uh, if you, when you seek me, you'll, you'll find me. Even if it's long distance, all the way from uh, Babylon to... I'm listening for your voice. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. I, I will turn away your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations... And from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. All right. That's the context of it. There's a lot of complexity there, and I'm going to try to build a light, a, a bridge from Babylon a little bit to today. Um, as I was thinking about the fact that it's a new year in 2023 and thinking about what God may do in, in my life and even in our life, if you'll indulge me, these are some of the thoughts that I had. Um, we'll build a little bit of a bridge from there to here. I'll try not to drive a theological freight train across the bridge, but I think there's some lessons for us. We have a lot to worry about, don't we? I wrote down a few in case you didn't have any in your list. Taxes, April 15th, 2023 is coming up. Inflation, politics, Healthcare, the economy, <clears throat> Russia, North Korea, China, higher education, the public school system, entitlement reform, the national debt, crime, uh, our HDL count, LDL, blood pressure, platelet count, 
the spiritual decline of our country, secularization of culture. Uh, there's a lot, a lot there that we could fill up. We could have a lot of conversations about some of these things. Perhaps we feel a little out of place. We don't feel entirely at home or settled in our world we live in today. We don't live in Babylon, exactly. But we do live in the world. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter writes to Christians, and he says it this way. He says, An apostle, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. You're, you're strangers, you're Christians, you belong to the Lord. Peter makes that clear. You're brethren, but you're scattered. In this world, in James chapter 1, James, a servant of God to the 12 tribes scattered. So these tribes, Christian Jews scattered, not quite at home. They're spread out and this letter is going to travel to them. And so we as Christians are in the world, but not of the world. We are strangers here. We are exiles here. We're not quite at home here. And as Jeremiah tells the, uh, Jeremiah will tell the, the Babylonian, those captives who are taken captive, and they're now in Babylon, and they're going to be there a little while. And he's saying to them, you're going to be there long enough that I want you to not simply survive day by day, not just get by, not just hunker up, but I want you to build houses and live in them. I was in Milwaukee where I grew up when I was in college and I returned back for a weekend or something like that. And a friend of mine named Al, who had a really rough background in his life, uh, he was a dad and had a whole family, um, but he said, hey, would you make a visit with me? And Al didn't drive, so uh, I uh, drove him around and we were looking for this guy. And so he said, uh, I thought we were going to go to someone's house or an apartment no, we just decided to park on the side of uh, an industrial area and take a little walk. Um, so we did. We, it was the middle of winter, snow everywhere. And when I say snow, I mean Milwaukee snow by the lake. So you're kind of stepping through it and it, it stops your traffic. And we, uh, we walk up a hill and into the woods. This is all behind an industrial area. And uh, the guy he's looking for isn't there. But there is a lady who crawls out from under a tarp that is hanging between a rope between two trees. She has a charcoal grill in one corner, and uh, she's, she, she's in the process of combing her hair with a broken mirror. Again, this is the middle of winter in Milwaukee, and uh, just barely surviving. Now, Milwaukee had programs and rescue missions and all of that. I'm sure there was a much bigger story than I ever could be a part of, but I'll never forget looking for someone and talking to that lady and trying to figure this all out. And, and uh, this lady just barely surviving. When it, certainly my heart would be that she would, that she would be thriving. Well, he says to them, build houses and plan to live in them. I don't know how your brain thinks, but my brain, brain thinks about the three little pigs, the story, right? That lived in the house and the dad says, it's time for you to go out and make your own fortune, and so he kicks them out, and the one pig sort of is, uh, doesn't think about the future at all, just cares about getting through his day, and builds his house out of straw, and then goes and plays, and the next pig builds his house out of sticks, and he, uh, and a little bit more time, but it's the, the older pig, right, who takes the time, I won't belabor the story, I know it would be fun, afterwards I'll tell it to you if you haven't heard it before, 
The point B, understanding, hey, I'm going to build a house. I'm going to put, uh, I'm not going to live in, in, in fear and uncertainty. Jeremiah is saying, don't be so afraid of the future. You don't, you, you don't act with courage today. And some of the best examples of this come from the time of the Babylonian captivity. People like Daniel. Daniel would face the roar of the lions. But he would never use the excuse, there's a lion in the streets, so I'm I'm just going to stay in my bed. I'm not going to go and do anything. And Daniel was used to be an incredible light in the Babylonian empire. He never sacrificed, as we understand it, his heart's purpose to fear the Lord and be dedicated to the Lord. We know that in Daniel chapter 1 that he and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, refused to, uh, to just simply go along with what it meant to be a Babylonian, but they didn't want to defile themselves with the king's meat. And so they stood for righteousness. We'll, we'll hear about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego again. We'll learn about someone like Esther and Mordecai, who will uh, have to learn what it means to be a, a Jew living in Babylon. We'll learn about Nehemiah. We'll learn about uh, Ezekiel. We'll learn about these different characters who were living in Babylon. And so this is Jeremiah's counsel to them, the Lord's counsel through Jeremiah. Don't simply survive as a people, but thrive. So the captivity will last 70 years. It won't be, it won't be great. It's not what they were looking for. They won't have the temple. They won't have all the things that they uh, were used to having. And he, and he even doesn't want them to get too comfortable, right? They're not going to stay there forever. This isn't their forever home. They're, but, they, but they're going to be there. And there are some things they could only learn in Babylon. Why is it that they went to Babylon to begin with? Was it just because Babylon, the Babylonian Empire, got too strong and the Lord wasn't aware of what was going on? <clears throat> no, there were some lessons that the Jewish people would only learn, and us through the Jewish people through this time. It would remind them of their need for God. It would help them to fear the Lord in the way they had forgotten to fear the Lord. It would be an opportunity for them to miss and appreciate the temple and all that it represented. It would be an opportunity for them to be a witness to the world in Babylon. Daniel lived in the Babylon for 70 years or so and never lost his identity as a child of God. He would pray three times a day looking out his window towards Jerusalem. He was faithful even when he was faced with the roar of the lions. And this is what Daniel will say, Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 3, uh, further on in Daniel. But he'll say this, They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Those that are wise, those that turn others to righteousness will shine like the stars. And isn't it just possible that it was Daniel who had a part to play? And the wise men following a star to look for the Messiah, to look for Jesus. We read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We read that a big idol was made. They were learning this lesson about idolatry, by the way. Uh, a big idol was made, and, and the rule was that all these princes and nobles and leaders had to bow down and worship this idol. And they said, well, we won't bow down and worship the idol. And you can read the story in Daniel chapter 3. I'll just read three verses. Daniel 3, 28 
29 and 30. And notice what Nebuchadnezzar, his response to God preserving Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar will say, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. Their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Really, really intriguing to see what God did in Babylon in the lives of these three men. And how their testimony of their faith impacted thousands, tens of thousands of people. This is what Esther had to do. It wasn't her idea to be an orphan, to be living in Babylon, to be carried away, to be a part of all of this. Um, But she remained faithful and exercised faith and courage. In Esther chapter 10 and verse 3, as we end the book of, of Esther, we read about Mordecai, the Jew, was next unto King Ahasuerus and great among the Jews and accepted of the multitude of his brethren, seeking the wealth of his people and speaking peace to all his seed. Mordecai leaves the end of that story standing right next to King Ahasuerus and seeking the wealth, the prosperity of the Jewish people that were remnant there at that time in Babylon. It would seem that these folks... Nehemiah, Ezekiel, Ezra, Zerubbabel took the message to heart to belong to the Lord, but to thrive and learn in the time that they were in Babylon. Here's some lessons from living in Babylon that perhaps we can take to heart tonight. First of all, we are of heaven, we belong to God but we are missionaries here. We are of heaven. We are citizens of heaven, but we are missionaries here. There's a reason why God doesn't just see us trust him as our savior and then bring us into the family of God and then just bring bring us up to heaven. He leaves us here to hang out for a while. He knows what's going on. He understands politics. They've been going on for a long time. He understands Pandemics, he understands uh, aging, he understands all of these things. For these folks in Babylon, exile didn't mean God had forgotten them or was trying to just make them hurt or something like that. God had a purpose for the time they were there. God had a lesson that they needed to learn. God had a plan that was bigger even than they understood. When Peter talks to the strangers who are uh, scattered throughout all of these different areas, he'll remind us in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2, that we should lay aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings and as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. We as Christians here today should desire the milk of the word. We should desire what it means to gather as God's people and to hear the word of God whether we do that in our, our, our service times together, our worship together, our classes together, whatever that looks like in our devotional lives as families. But we desire the sincere milk of the word. We're not harming others, but we're thriving as God's people. 
We're doing that reliant on Christ. And as a people, Peter says, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. In other words, you and I together as God's people are a little like the temple. We worship the Lord together. We're a building. Uh, we, we work together to glorify him and to preach the gospel to the nations. The Israelites, Jeremiah said, had forsaken the fountain of living water. God provided all the, the water they could ever uh, need living in a desert place. And he said they, they traded it in for cisterns, broken cisterns that couldn't hold any water. They substituted God with stuff that didn't work. And we're being called to trust in the Lord and tap into what he's provided for us even while we're here. Jesus will say about the disciples in his prayer in John chapter 17, he says about his disciples, I have given them thy word. And the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. We're not. Jesus wasn't praying that the disciples be removed, but that they were kept from evil. He says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Appreciate the message last Sunday night about the importance it is to know God's word and meditate in God's word and spend the time we need to reliant on him and in prayer. Thriving, not simply surviving. We are to be missionaries here. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth, as Jesus reminded us and taught us. Uh, we, we build houses in a sense, right? We are rooted in our community. We are to raise a family. Someone said our first mission field is our family. And looking ahead at not only tomorrow and next month, but maybe one day, decades from now, when those kids are going to get married, or grandchildren, or the next generation, even for our church, we think ahead at all these young people and how important it is that we're seeking their thriving 10 years down the road, or 20 years down the road, or 30 years down the road, or should the Lord tarry is coming when the church has its 140th anniversary. Again, the Lord could return at any moment. We'll get to that. We'll get to that part. Um, uh, Raise our family. Invest in the next generation. um, And and thrive as Christians. So Daniel had influence. Esther, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, We we understand that we're missionaries here. We we belong. We're citizens of heaven, but we're missionaries here. Secondly, we are, are, uh, I'm sorry, uh, now then is the time to seek the Lord. In Babylon, there were some lessons to be learned. It would seem that their time in Babylon was enough to, in some ways, cure them of at least outright idolatry. We don't read about them coming back and having lots of idols anymore. They seem to have learned some lessons from being in Babylon. Uh, There were many sad stories that took place. There was a lot of destruction, a lot of heartache that came through that time of judgment. But there were some lessons that the remnant could learn in Babylon. It was an opportunity for them to be a witness in a dark place, to be different than the world and see that difference laid out very starkly. You know, for us, there's going to come a time and place where if we are in the presence of the Lord and no longer here, we can't do the things that we're able to do here. We'll worship the Lord in a different way. We will 
be walking, as it were, I've not been to heaven, but by sight, right? We'll see him, we'll know him. And so this journey of walking by faith, trusting his word in a way, we can live out a life of faith in a way differently here, showing our love for the Lord in a way that we may not be able to in the same way in heaven. There's a reason we're here. We can worship him here. We can give him glory in a way here that we, we won't be able to in heaven. So we are of heaven, but we're missionaries here. Now is the time to seek the Lord and repent. Thirdly, we should expect to leave it all behind. There's a song that I used to sing, This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through, My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And that was another lesson those captives in Babylon needed to learn. There was going to come a time when Nehemiah, who had a great job as the king's cupbearer, I don't know how great it was. I think that meant he made sure the king didn't get poisoned and lots of kings got poisoned in that time frame. But he was trusted and he was doing great. But he, he felt the call of the Lord to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. They had done work on the temple, but they needed to rebuild the walls. And so he felt the call to go so much that it was showing on his face and his countenance. And the king asked him about it and he leads the group back to Jerusalem and they rebuild the walls. And there was that time for them to return to Jerusalem and and God had a plan for them there. He didn't want them to stay in Babylon. And guess what happens to Babylon after all of this? Babylon will be destroyed. They weren't really pleasing the Lord either. But there will be a time, Jeremiah is saying... After the 70 years, there will be a time to leave the house behind. There's going to be a time to leave the garden hoe, the mason jars, to leave behind the wedding arches and all the things that had made their lives work for those 70 years. They're going to leave it all behind and they're going to travel back to Jerusalem, rebuild the walls, rebuild the temple, uh, uh, begin again their, their worship and all that they did there in Jerusalem. There's a time to leave it all behind. So, You and I, we don't live in Babylon. I don't think any of us do. But we do live in the world. None of us are named Jeremiah. We're not part of that exact remnant of that time. But we can draw lessons from that particular time. For me, as I thought about the new year, here's some of the questions. Will we make the most of 2023? Are we merely here to survive or are we seeking to thrive in the Lord? Will I shine like Daniel? Will I turn others to righteousness? Will I be like the smart little pig? Not necessarily in building a house out of bricks, but in getting to invest in my community and thinking ahead and doing and living life the right way, not taking the shortcut as it were, but being diligent as unto the Lord. And not unto men? Will I seek the Lord in this time? There are some seasons where we're in where we seek the Lord in different ways, where we are being taught different things through different stages of our life. Am I seeking the Lord? Am I learning what He's seeking to teach me? I talked about that this morning about what real worship actually is. Not just going through the motions, but learning to worship the Lord in those seasons. Maybe it's a season like at the beginning of Job's life, right? Where things are going great and he's worshiping the Lord. But he also continued to worship the Lord when things were more difficult. And then he worshiped the Lord when things were great again. 
thinking about the different seasons of Daniel's life through the ups and downs of his life, or Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego, or Esther, or any of those folks we understand lived through that time in Babylon. Lastly, are you prepared, am I prepared, to leave it all behind and be with Christ? For we shouldn't grow too attached to the things of this earth. We shouldn't grow so attached to things that they become idols to us. We need to be prepared for how the Lord leads us and moves us and takes us. I'm glad we made it to 2023. It's exciting to see what all the Lord may do in our hearts and in our lives. It's exciting to see what he's done over the years to pass. And let us not be so fearful of the future that we don't forget to thrive in our time, walking with the Lord and making the most of the season God is leading us through. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word and the testimony of those who've lived through different things in the past and history. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to be reminded that uh, we must worship you, not simply becoming comfortable in becoming Babylonian, as it were, but remembering who we are. We belong to Christ. We're children of our Heavenly Father. But also, while we live here, not forgetting to be a a light to our neighbors and those at work, and not forgetting to, to thrive, not forgetting about our families, not forgetting about the next generation. I pray, Lord, that you'd give us the wisdom each of us needs to do that. And I pray, Lord, if there is anyone here who doesn't have peace with you, that the future, they're not sure, that they have a right relationship with you, that if they were to leave this world behind, that they wouldn't have a home and the one to come, that they might find peace in Christ. We ask in Christ's name, amen. Stand if your head's bowed and eyes closed, if you would, this evening.